You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back. We are continuing our celebration of Black History Month. And Professor Amokar Shabazz, you have something very noteworthy to tell us about and a very special guest. Absolutely. We are in uh, a dynamic Black History Month, and our guest will be talking to us about a, uh, a wonderful um, uh, conference as well that includes a Poetry Slam Invitational. That's a part of it. But let me, first of all, um, just do a very uh, basic welcome and introduction to this Black in the Valley space. Uh, uh, Imani Wallace is a um, educator, is a scholar, is a poet. Um, by poet, they are known by the name Lyrical Faith, Lyrical Faith Poetry, and um, the, uh, uh, that faith connects with the, the meaning of uh, her name, Imani, which is the Kiswahili word for faith, and uh, grew up a young uh, girl in the Bronx, and uh, she says the uh, she was always very into music and into hip hop, and we know hip hop is at 50, 50 years young. So there's so many things to talk about. Remembering that, of course, the theme this year of Black History Month is African American, African Americans and the arts. So lyrical faith, Imani Wallace, welcome to Black in the Valley. Thank you, thank you for having me. Hi, Talk to us a bit about the, uh, the inspiration for this uh, upcoming uh, conference on, on academic freedom, the Black AF conference, and uh, the, the, uh, we can get to the Poetry Slam within it in a little bit, but, but how does this come up? Uh, tell us a bit about it. Absolutely. So thank you so much again for that lovely introduction. So yes, um, uh, so I so poetically, I am known as Lyrical Faith. And I, um, I have been writing and performing spoken word poetry since the age of 12. I am currently in my third year of my doctoral program here at UMass Amherst with uh, uh, in my program, which is social justice education. And my research is actually looking at the intersections of arts and activism through the lens of spoken word poetry. So to be completely honest, I guess, like bringing it back, I've had so many experiences with poetry throughout my time growing up in New York City um, from the Bronx, born and raised. And uh, I was a part of a youth, the premier youth poetry program for, um, for, uh, for uh, youth in New York City, which is called Urban Word NYC. And Urban Word NYC used to have a, a conference um, every year that I was a part of for like three years in a row. It was called Preemptive Education. And this conference was so transformative to my young mind. Um, one of the years that I was there, I was able to help my mentor facilitate a poetry workshop. Another year that I was there, I was able to experience the different poetry workshops. There was always three different tracks, the artist track, the educator track, and the activism track. And 
Um, and then, you know, uh, and then another year that I was there, I was able to see like these amazing keynote speeches by these black people with PhDs. And it actually influenced me and encouraged me to um, come to UMass. Uh, and so, uh, because they were talking about the arts and they were talking about activism and I wanted so much to like incorporate more of my life's work into life's work into answering these questions and creating these spaces for artistic voices um, and activist voices and educator voices to thrive but not being placed into siloed boxes looking at the intersections of all three and so this conference the black af conference or the black artistic freedom conference is a um is an in it's it's inspired by preemptive ed um in a way and um it's doing it in my own way i'm basing it here at umass amherst and creating the spaces for people who are aspiring or established um, educators, activists, and artists to have a, a creative space to be able to discuss, to think, to, to talk, to imagine, to freedom dream about how we can um, essentially center the voices of uh, black and brown students and, and help to um, develop their voices in a way that would help them thrive in their artistic essence and in their, in their activist identities, right? Um, and so I am utilizing this as like a way to also um, inc incorporate into my research, right? All of my research is, is revolving around students of color um, who are either in urban settings or um, in urban school districts and how they are using poetry within the classroom and outside of the classroom and how gaining access to that can um, help them develop personally academically and um, and be more civically engaged people who can use poetry to impact and change the world Imani Wallace that's fantastic I, let, we let should me give some shout outs to some of the organizational connections that are involved with this. We have the Black Healing, Joy, and Justice Collective. We have the Center of Racial Justice and Youth Engaged Research at the uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst. And, um, and yeah, all of this backing and support behind your vision for this conference on February 24th. Uh, they're going to be breakfast, there's going to be lunch, you will be fed in uh, so many different ways. That's February 24th. We'll make the link available through um, the WHMP uh, Talk the Talk uh, page so people can, if you go there, uh, you'll be able to, to get the access to how to register. Bill? Imani Wallace, th thank you so much, uh, Professor Amilcar Shabazz. Uh, I'd like to spend another minute with us, Imani Wallace, if you would, please, about what brought you to UMass Amherst. Oh, wow. You know, it was the program. So, uh, so okay, so for, um, so for undergrad, I uh, went to Syracuse University. And I, um, as an undergraduate student, I was a very active student leader and my experiences that I formed and shaped outside of the classroom really helped me to inform what I was doing inside of the classroom and really helped me to develop my passions and what I cared about. And so from there, uh, I uh, went straight into graduate school. I came back to New York City um, and I went straight into graduate school and I went to NYU. And my, um, my time at NYU, I was in the higher education and student affairs program. Uh, in the College of Education at NYU. And so that program was essentially like a way for me to 
really kind of continue to develop this, this student leadership and this student activism and this, this student activities presence that I pretty much took up at Syracuse because I realized that that was something that I cared about. Like I cared about how do we center student voices and how do we like help develop and shape students' experiences outside of the classroom so that it can inform who they are as people and who they will want to be as academics or who they will want to be inside of the classroom. But it's really outside of the classroom where they're forming those experiences. And so I got my master's in higher ed. And from there, I kind of, during my program, uh, well, two, two things. During my program, there was a, a track that I, I really wanted to, I was on the social justice track. Uh, and there were so many, there were so many questions that I had that were still unanswered <laughs> as I was going through it. Because as a, if you're in higher ed and student affairs, they're teaching you how to be a practitioner, right? So like, that's the cap. Right, but I didn't want a cap. I kind of wanted to continue to explore these questions that I had answered, that I needed answers to, because I wanted to begin to like create more systems that could support students, as opposed to just like learning how to navigate within the systems that already exist. Why UMass? Which, Am why UMass Amherst, as opposed to somewhere else? Well, because of the program. So yeah, so like I was on the social justice track. And um, and so I knew because of my inquiries, I knew that I wanted to pursue my PhD. And my advisor at NYU uh, was actually is actually an alum of this program. So his he is um, his his PhD is in social justice education from this program at UMass Amherst. And so when I looked more into it and I started to ask him more about it, um, apparently there's a lot of connections between that program at NYU and this program at UMass. Like there's a couple of people who who've done the same exact thing, <laughs> came from there to, to here. Um, and I, I will say, like you know, my advisor exposing me to it was a, a part a portion of it. But then just me looking up the program um, and me seeing that there aren't many social justice education programs. If not, if there might only be like a couple, and if even even so, I think some of them are only social justice and not the education part. And so this was the only one in the Northeast that existed. Um, and so I wanted to come here because of that. Um, there, there was a there was a proximity, and then there was a there was a specific um, you know research interest that you know gauged me. And then also like I had the advisor at the time that told me more about the program. So it. it piqued my interest to essentially want to come. Amani Wallace, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier. You used uh, the word poetry and spoken word poetry each a couple of times when you were describing what you do and what, does, what your interest is in merging social justice with your craft. What's the difference between spoken word poetry and poetry? Oh, wow. That's a... <laughs> That is a, a lovely question. So, so uh, poetry is the the house. Um, it's the house of you know all things poetry, right? So it is the the broader art form. So poetry can be um, spoken. Poetry can be written, which I feel like most people are most familiar with. Uh, you know, poetry can be you know haikus and iambic pentameter and you know sonnets and you know Shakespeare, whatever, um, whatever you learned in school, and then you know and then other things as well, right? Um, and then you know poetry can also be ekphrastic poems. Which are, which are poems that are written off of like um, uh, visual pieces of art. Poetry can be so many different things, right? Uh, and then and then spoken word is this a specific genre within the house of poetry where um, where it is meant to be performed. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's that's pretty much the main difference. And then when we get more into like 
so this is something that's a part of my research as well and something that i do here in Pi in the pioneer valley which is um i the, the youth that I support within the classroom, I pretty much um, also help to support them in participating in the, the Pioneer Valley Regional Youth Poetry Slam, of which I'm the co-producer of that happens every year. This is the second year that it'll be taking place. So it started last year. Um, and so it happens every year in April, which is National Poetry Month. And so Poetry Slam is the competitive art form of spoken word poetry. So th those are the, the differences, right? Spoken, um, you know, some poetry is written, right? My focus is spoken. And then um, then there's the competitive art form, which is known as SLAM. So Professor Amakar Shabazz, more about the Black AF conference that Amani Wallace is well, involved in. Actually, I'm hoping we can pick up on the SLAM idea and, and get a little taste. We have the person here that is ranked uh, third uh, in the world as a spoken word artist. Uh, so uh, I definitely invite you to uh, take our mic, if you will, and, and give, us a, give us a little bit of what, what we can expect to, to have at this Invitational. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, um, so speaking of the Invitational, so um, as mentioned, so the conference is two parts, two days, right? You know, one day is the symposium, the day-long symposium with the sessions and everything and the speakers and performances and food on the 24th. And then the first day of that is the Poetry Slam Invitational, which is featuring um, an award-winning poet um, by the name of Jamon Hill, and then like poets from all across the region as well as like all across campus. So there will be um, undergraduate students competing, graduate students competing, they're competing for cash prizes. Um, and so and there'll be judges and everything like that. So that is an experience in and of itself. I implore all of you to come. Um, me, okay, me, me, me. Uh, if you would like to hear one of my poems, let me do something short. <laughs> my response to the men who take me out, tell me I'm pretty, then ask if I am just black. Well, <laughs> I'm black mixed with black, so I guess that make me black black. Like Afro-American, like my ancestry be slave black, like they slaved all day and picked cotton so you could wear that tacky little shirt on your back black, like transatlantic trade black, like we always late black, like we only late because if we die today, this gonna be our ghost outfit for the rest of our days, like auction block black, like picnic black, like you won't make it to the march if you caught up at the sit-in black, like 3,446 lynched and you ain't never known a black mother who ain't prayed for her kids, we open casket black, we closed case, we afraid at night because they trapping in my neighborhood. If you look like me, you ain't safe. And as I sit here and ponder the answer to your stupid question with my resting B-faced, well, we still waiting on reparations. So I hope you're paying for this date. Oh! Wow. Wow. <laughs> what, what a great moment to take a break. We're going to be right back with more with Professor Amilcar Shabazz and the amazing Amani Wallace right after this. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
And we continue our, our celebration of Black History Month with Professor Amilcar Shabazz and with incredible poet Amani Wallace. Professor. Professor. Let me say this. We have a, a great opportunity to explore the theme of African Americans and the arts uh, at uh, this upcoming February 23rd and 24th at the uh, University of Massachusetts. It's open to the public. Uh, we will be providing links and everything for people to uh, uh, see how to register and, and, and get involved with this. February 23rd, 24th, a Poetry Slam Invitational, uh, as well as a conference on the Black Artistic Freedom Conference. I want to, um, since uh, uh, join Imani, join with a bit of lyrical uh, poetry, this is not my own. This is from the great Langston Hughes, and um, it's entitled Beaumont to Detroit, 1943. Folks that know me know that I'm from Beaumont, Texas, and here's the point. Looky here, America, what you done done. Let things drift until the riots come. Now your policemen let your mobs run free. I reckon you don't care nothing about me. You tell me that Hitler is a mighty bad man. I guess he took lessons from the Ku Klux Klan. You tell me Mussolini's got an evil heart. Well, it must have been in Beaumont that he had his start. Because everything that Hitler and Mussolini do, Negroes get the same treatment from you. You Jim Crowed me before Hitler rose to power. And you're still Jim Crowing me right now, this very hour. Yet you say we're fighting for democracy. Then why don't democracy include me? I ask you this question because I want to know how long I've got to fight both Hitler and Jim Crow. Langston Hughes wrote that in the summer of 1943, coming off of devastating racial massacres uh, in Beaumont and in Detroit, Michigan, Beaumont, Texas, and Detroit, Michigan. My family lost businesses in the destruction that happened in Beaumont in 1943. Never reimbursed, never compensated, no reparations. There's no real acknowledgement in Beaumont to this day of the rioting, of the attacks that happened there. And uh, uh, there is a great documentary I hope to bring here to Amherst soon that a, a, a brother named Gordon Williams has just has produced about the Beaumont race riots. But we, you know, we, we just barely learned about Tulsa in 1921. But I, my family lived through Beaumont uh, in 1943. And so Langston Hughes, though, is the one that could put all of that together, make it into poetry, give it an artistic form but still conveying the message that we need and, and, and that feeds us. Uh, and, um, because when I grew up in the, and got that poem, it confirmed what I was hearing from my grandparents that I didn't even believe was true. It's, I wasn't sure they, they were really telling me the right thing. It's so, so important. This is the power of the spoken word and of poetry. And that's what I wanted to ask about. Uh, Amani Wallace, how can we follow your power of the spoken word? 
Absolutely. So thank you so much again. So my uh, my Instagram page is uh, I'm super active on social media. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, please just type in lyrical faith poetry. That's lyrical L Y R I C A L faith. F-A-I-T-H, poetry, P-O-E-T-R-Y. You can follow me there. You can follow me on Facebook at Lyrical Faith Poetry. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at Lyrical Faith Poetry. And I just want to thank the um, the W.E.B. Du Bois Center um, for the support with the Poetry Slam, um, which will be happening on February 23rd. It is um, also W.E.B. Du Bois's birthday, which is part of the significance of the slam. And then my team at the Black Healing Joy and Justice team at the Center of Racial Justice for the conference. Thank you. So one more time. Professor, people want to get a ticket, want to attend that conference. Tell them one more time how they could find out about it. So let's put the for page, but uh, but basically, as um, Imani is saying, uh, you can go online to the um, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois Center. Uh, you can go online to the um, Du Bois. Afro-American Studies Department will put information up there. And yes, um, uh, plan to come out to Furcolo Hall uh, to the Carney Family Auditorium on February 23rd. The doors open at 5.30 p.m. The event time is 6 to 8. So put that in your plans for that Friday. Put that in and then your on plans Saturday. for that Friday and Saturday. Both of you, thank you for listening.